This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, a proud sponsor of the Earbuds, a podcasting documentary film. Uh, for a free trial and 10% off, making your own website or online portfolio, use CFN. That's your coupon code. Yeah. It's that easy. We're in Australia. Right, so we're not actually in your garage. No. We're <laughs> <laughs> not at the ABC in Sydney. We're not oh. in my apartment. No, in Los no. Angeles. <laughs> Everybody, welcome to episode two seventeen. Um, it's pretty exciting. It is pretty exciting. Cons- International, considering yes, we are not in your garage. We mm-hmm. are uh, in Sydney, Australia. We literally just got in, maybe four hours ago. Yep, we uh, were held up by customs for three of them. <laughs> we had a well. Let's backtrack because it, it, it hasn't been the smoothest of travel. No, it hasn't. Travel days <laughs> since it was a fifteen-hour flight. We got to LAX. Our flight was um, uh, nine fifty p.m. Leaving Los Angeles on Thursday, May 29th. Yes. So we all got to the airport between seven thirty eight o'clock. Everyone's coming from different parts of LA. Yep, we all got there. Um, as I'm arriving, uh, Andrew Garrity, our DP, calls me and goes, "Graham, we're supposed to have." Visas. Visas. And I was like, I I don't remember that when I came here a year and a half ago. Like, I remember doing a visa, but I remember, like, doing it once I got here. Or, like, I did it online or something. Like, I remember it was so – it it wasn't a problem. Like, it was so easy. I don't don't even remember doing it. So everybody gets to the airport. We've got five guys and – Yeah, I mean, I try to check in. Mm -hmm. I scan the scan ports. The passport scans. There's even a way to, you know, you Santa and said, uh, you need personalized attention for this reservation. So they send you to a line where you have to get an actual United rep to check you in. And that's when I see the rest of the crew like, hey, we're having trouble. <laughs> and you don't feel special. It's not like, ooh, personalized attention. No, 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 it's getting a long very, line. Yeah, it's getting a long line for a surly employee to inconvenience you for two hours. Oh, that's man. what that means. <laughs> so, yeah, I got there. I had the same thing. It took me half an hour 40 minutes to get it figured out took these guys even longer then once all the the um the visa stuff the, was taken care of visa stuff was taken care of okay now we got your thing now we can get your boarding pass and check your bags so we got five guys and all this gear and luggage there's 15 bags yeah it was three hundred dollars to check bags right? yeah and i fly a lot i my three were for free but still your first one international is free on united but then the other two Right. And yeah. then some of the carry-ons we couldn't bring because they had tools in them. You can't bring tools on the plane, so you Ooh. had to check them. Yeah. Right. So it was like this crazy no, you thing. you can't bring tools, like things that could take over a cockpit. No, you, know, you can't. You can't take saws and hammers. And literally a giant bag of them. That's yeah. <laughs> staple gun. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's fine. That's 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 we, we needed to have a better conversation with the crew about what to bring and what not to bring next time. 
Well, we, I mean, we had numerous conversations about all this stuff. But remember that part where we said bring the absolute minimum that you need? There's a bag of tools here. Oh, Why yeah, is yeah. there a bag of tools? Well, we need them, though. Tools Honestly, though, it's, I, don't know how, I don't know how else we get around that. Well, thing. no. What we would have done is uh, we would have sourced anything we didn't need here and it probably would have been cheaper just to get uh, Maybe. gear and stuff Than here. paying for the overage? Because it's yeah, going to be about $1,000 in bag costs right. for a whole trip. That's true. So... But uh, water under the bridge now. We're yeah. here with a bunch of gear and tools. Yes. So. <laughs> so you got in the just so. line because you didn't have visas. And then, and nice that. then cool. we were ready to go, but still there were three bags that still needed to be checked. And this is where I almost lost it. The f- computers go down. <gasps> computers go the, down. United the United computers, computers at LAX go down. Yeah. Wow. And there's tons of people behind us. They're lining up. And we're like, we just need these three bags checked, and we can be on our way. So... Um, I sent the rest of the crew ahead. I said, look, you, you're done. You guys can go. I'll wait for this. Yeah. The girl cannot ring the card up. She disappears with my card um, for some kind of manual. It's, all she had to do was charge a credit card. That was it. Right. And doesn't come back for 30 minutes. Because God forbid you get on the flight and they just forget about the charge. I yeah, know, yeah. I know. It's, like, it's all about isn't the charge. It, isn't it going to cost you more to put me on another flight yeah. than actually yeah. let me go with three bags? It was unbelievably ridiculous. Supervisors walking back and forth and say, hey, I'm still here. Oh, they're almost done. Well, she's working on it back there. It's just a charge. It's you know, all yeah. you right. need is a square, and you could do it. Yeah. They had the handwrite so, baggage tickets too. Yeah, yeah, and that they figured out. But then um, she finally comes back, and she, you need to sign this. I said, fine. Can I go? Oh no, I got to give you your receipt. And how long will that take? Oh, uh, just a few more minutes. Ugh. No, you don't. And I, I left. I uh, got my card back, and I left. So luckily, <laughs> I had TSA pre, so I was able to go through security, and I made the flight with a few minutes to spare. Yeah. And I'm texting Graham. I'm still stuck here. I'm getting a little nervous. Yeah, he's like, I'm getting nervous. I'm on the plane. The other guys are all on the plane. And we're like, well. I'm stuck for a dump because they won't bring my car right. back. And because they want to charge you for your overage. Yeah, yes. they're oh, assholes. Jesus Louise. Um, it's tough. So, um, yeah. So we get on the plane. Everything's we, – we just sit on the tarmac and they're like – because the computers are down. And I was, like, I was like, oh, shit. Here we go. Like 10 hours on the tarmac kind of shit. But no, that got done. They figured that out. So then, you know, 15-hour flight. Yep. Um, and we land and we go through the first round of customs, get our bags, and then we're getting ready to just do the last little cursory where you give that little form. And this woman with Australian customs sees five guys and all these gearboxes, these hard plastic, and she's like, what? You guys aren't tourists. Yeah, what are you bringing in here? <laughs> so we got to x-ray the bags. And then this guy, I hear this other guy, him and her are both talking. And he's got all our passports. And he just goes, all right, who's, who's running this? Yeah, who's and in charge? Who's in charge? And I, and I so go, we bring out the mouthpiece. Yeah, right. out, I'm the closer. <laughs> yeah. and, and I'm like, how you doing, sir? And this I'm is all, about five hours ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yes, yes. So I'm... I'm very much, I've been in this situation in Kuwait, uh, military bases. I've been in this situation all over the place. And so I was like, I'm shaking hands. And he's like, so you guys aren't tourists. I go, well, well no, we are I go, still. sir, we're, I go, we're a documentary crew. I go, we're not being, because I know what their concern is. Yeah. Are we getting paid to be here? And I said, we're footing our own bill. We're not being hired by any Australian company to do this. He goes, but you're not a tourist. I said, well, I'm going to try to go surfing. And, you know, yeah, we're going to a friend's, seeing a friend's We're seeing play. a friend's yeah. play. We're talking. <laughs> yeah. We're pumping your play. I'm trying to yeah. get the yeah. tea. Nice. Trying to By get the way, we should, inter- we should introduce our guest. Yes, we C. should. <laughs> C.J. Johnson, folks. Our Australian correspondent. Yes. And also um, a movie critic for the ABC and also playwright and writer. Yeah. And we are sitting in the lobby where my play, The Young Tycoons, is currently playing. 
and might indeed now get some customs officials. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm always promoting CJ. Yeah. I'm always promoting. So if we get some customs folks here to buy some tickets. Yeah, um, yeah and we're in the what name of the what, what theater is this? That it's we're called uh, the Darlinghurst Theatre Company at the Eternity Playhouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, right here in Sydney. It's a lovely um, part of Sydney, right near your hotel, right near where I live. It's the inner city. So it's just on the outskirts of the central business district where all the banking and finance and, mm-hmm. you know, you know the, the white-collar industry is. And so around that, like many cities, you know, it's, you've got all the groovy young people in the arts scene sort of just around the, the central business district mm-hmm. in what we call the inner city. And this is where this theatre is. Um, and, yeah, you'll be seeing this play uh, tomorrow evening. Yeah. yeah, we're very excited. And this 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 theater is beautiful. They've it's this uh, historic building, and they've remodeled the interior, so the theater space itself now, is did beautiful. Did they convert it into a theater? It was a- yeah, it was a tabernacle hall. Okay, and um, f- over the last few years, it's been converted into this theater. The theater company, the Darlinghurst Theater Company, has existed for about a little over a decade, about twelve years, and um, they applied to the council that runs this part of town and well the city of Sydney and um, the, after much negotiation the council agreed to give them this old tabernacle f- hall and basically footed the bill for the conversion really and yeah to the tune of many many millions of dollars many millions of dollars and so it only opened as it is now in October so basically you've got this gorgeous old couple of hundred year old facade of the building all around and then within it, within the shell of the old building, you've got this brand spanking new state of the art, beautifully architecturally designed theatre. Which, which seats... you're sitting in right now, which seats about 210. And it's where we're going to do earbuds interviews tomorrow. Yes. Um, I mean, you guys are hearing us on Tuesday. Yes, yeah, so we'll already have done them. We'll already done this. So you don't, come are, down don't come down. Don't come. happened. Come see the play. Come yeah. see the go to go to play. Corner Burton and Palmer Street, Dolly. <laughs> Let's finish the uh, custom story. Okay. Story's so yeah, the custom please. story. So. Jeff, the very... Uh, they were really cool. They we were so say. nice. Everybody at Customs in It's Australia. just Australian it's, Customs. Yeah, it's it's really very nice. Vibe. It's such a laid-back country. Yeah, it was like, all right, what do you Short got? sleeves and beagles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a little later. Come on, what are you guys doing? He's like, what, what are you guys doing? And yeah. I, go, I go, look, you know, I wasn't going to try to bullshit the guy. I go, what? We're just tourists with nice cameras. Like, Because uh, yeah. that's the road you could have gone down. Yeah. And that I knew would have been the wrong one. Right. Yeah. Because if they know you're lying to them, then they're going to be like, fuck you. Yeah, that's true. So I just was not going to lie to the guy. And I just said, you know, this is what we're doing. And and he goes, okay, well, we got to get this sorted out, but we got to go find this, the the my superior or whatever. And as you're talking, he's like, oh, I'm going to America. I love it. I'm going to go to Chicago. <laughs> yeah. So I start right. going. I'm like, you got to go to. The, are you going to Cubs game? Oh, I'm going to Wrigley Field. I'm like, oh, you got to go get a Polish. You got to go to this bar, Wrigley Field. Yeah. Get this pizza because I'm from Chicago, yeah. right? And we were just there shooting earbuds, and I was just at a Cubs game like a week ago. And so he's like, oh, great, that sounds awesome. And, and um, You did the perfect thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I know you're good at this. But yeah. That's, that's the right thing to do. I know. Yeah. And I know. A closer. I'm a closer, and I know Australians, and I know it's a, it's a very, you know, friendly culture. And yeah, Tokyo might be harder. Tokyo. Yeah, I suspect so. Tokyo's going to be a little different. I'm going to have to say uh, konnichiwa a lot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That'll get you everywhere. Yeah, that's all you need. That's all you need. It's an American Good morning, saying. Constantly. Yeah, and hello kitty. Yeah, it's just say hello kitty. And the samurai sword terms. I'm sure that'll help. Um, so anyway, he walks me up to his boss and he's telling the guy the thing and he's like, you know, you're supposed to have a business visa. And I wasn't, I wasn't bullshitting the guy. I said, look, my understanding was if we were being paid by an Australian company to be here, then yes, I should have got a, a business visa. And I just did a tourist one. He goes, yeah, okay, you kind of are in a gray area. But he was really cool. He was steering me in the right direction. This nice. older guy goes, so you're, um, 
you're here as tourists, right? I said, <laughs> yes, I am. And he goes, but, and you're amateurs. I said, yes, we are. We are not a professional film. I just answered how we, he was telling me what to say, basically. <laughs> yeah. And then he goes, okay, you'll be fine. And he checks my thing. He goes, in the future, go to Washington. You got to go through the embassy in D.C. if you're going to do something like this. And you have to get a slightly different type of visa. This is so great about Australia because we're talking about international borders here. We're not yeah. talking about a cop letting you off because you're driving 10 <laughs> miles above the speed limit. We're talking about five guys coming into an island nation <laughs> and you've got into a grey area and they decided to tilt towards the white. <laughs> it was, and literally, the guy Jeff, the younger guy, because the older, the, his superior was probably in his late 50s or 60s yeah. and he's very, very nice. And then right in front of him, Jeff goes, he looks right at me, and his name was Russ. He goes, he goes, he goes, he goes Russ just did you a huge favor. Yeah. <laughs> and I was and I try to go, yeah, thank you, sir. And I'm shaking his hand. I'm being very yes, sir, no, sir. Yeah. And, uh, and he explained it to me. I go, thank you guys are awesome. Thank you so much. And then we're walking back. And as we're walking back, of course, Jeff is like, yeah, I want to go to Manhattan. I want to go all these places in America. And I'm like, go here, go there. And then, and he, and, and he said, he goes, you know, he goes, he could have, uh, could have jammed you up. You get the wrong guy, you got to have been jammed up. You could have maybe even been turned back. At the very least, you would have been in a room for two hours. We would yeah. have got you through, but it would have been two hours of nonsense. And I was like, thank you, sir, so much. We shook his hand, mm-hmm. and we got out of there. I'm so glad you didn't try and bribe them. No way. <laughs> no way. I know what part of the world to and to not do that. Yeah, that would have gone bad. No bad, way. Bad. No way. I would, I, I, it's not in the budget. <laughs> we didn't get enough we Kickstarter have, yeah, donors. Not enough Kickstarter we didn't money have for, a bribe uh, official. Yeah. yeah, we didn't have that tier. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we got to the hotel, and then we've met you, and now here we are. And now here we are. I walked you through some of Sydney, and I walked you to the hotel. I've been mean, to the to the theater, and uh, this, this is a beautiful be tonight. This is a beautiful city. Yeah. This is an amazing city. Like and we I'm, haven't even seen that much of it. We haven't even seen that much of it. The rest of the crew is going on a tour. To actually, it's funny. There was a walking tour right by the hotel. I'm like, oh, this is all the B-roll we need. Yeah, so they they're know that they're like literally doing a B-roll tour. Yeah, for us. they're going to get all the stuff, all the shots we need. Um, so let's let's talk some movies a little bit. Um, first of all, now you were telling us this since we're going to be on Monday. Well, we have already gone there by the time you guys listen to this, but um, we're going to and hopefully we'll have returned. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to Newman, Australia, to meet Russell. Uh, who is? Who's, I know this is so great. Who is going to um, show us around? And we're going to interview him. He's the miner we've mentioned on the show, and he's of course. It's the the coolest thing about doing this earbuds documentary is it, just about every city. There's been like a podcaster or a fan who's helped us out. Who's helped us out? Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, we're sitting here. No, we know you because of podcasting and oh, yeah, talking totally. about yeah. movies. You yeah. know, like it's so cool. So Russell is going to, and we have a location for the fan interviews. We have a lo- <laughs> because of you. You know, like um, it's been it's been really cool. So um, I just googled Newman. This is where you're going. Wow, it's in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, yeah folks, yeah, yeah. Google Newman, Australia, and you will see it is. It's a there's hour- four lines in Wikipedia about it. Yeah, yeah. population four thousand two hundred and forty five. Yep. Wow. That's cool. That's cool. So my high school is a little bit smaller than that. <laughs> I literally had 3,600 kids in my high school. Yeah. So we're going there, and you, as we were telling you about... Why do they need two hotels? It's <laughs> 4,000 people. Um, so as we were talking about going over there, you recommended this movie that we watch 
an Australian movie called Red Dog. Yeah, Red Dog is a movie that was made a few years ago by an Australian director who I think is one of the best Australian directors named Creve Stenders. And uh, by the way, real name? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it sounds like a porn name yeah, or something it like Creve Stenders. Creve Stenders. Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. It's spelled K-R-I-V. So it's like I guess it's some sort of Nordic or Scandinavian in origin. Anyway, um, Stenders too. So Red Dog is about a real dog that actually existed in the Pilbara region, which I think is where you're going, essentially. The Pilbara is a very large mining region of, mm-hmm. in the desert, in the Red Desert, uh, in Western Australia, where you're going. And basically this dog, it didn't seem to have any owners. It turned up, and this mining community, a bunch of miners and people who worked around the mines, sort of adopted the dog as their community dog. And so Red Dog didn't belong to anyone. It just everyone loved Red Dog. And so Red Dog could stay where he wanted, and he was embraced by the community. And he used to, you know, famously go on the bus with them to the mine in the morning and come on the bus back with them. And the bus wouldn't leave until Red Dog got on the bus. And if Red Dog was running late, they'd wait for Red Dog. And Mm -hmm. And Red Dog would go to the pub. And Red Dog truly became the soul of the community. And you can imagine, you know, as, as happens, dogs inevitably die and when Red Dog died it was a huge like the whole town was in mourning and grief you know so the movie covers this whole thing the movie's about but the movie's not a doc it's a narrative no the movie is a proper narrative it's like a Disney type movie you know based on a true story yeah 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 yeah. I mean it's it's better than that but that's it's that's it's greatest model is the sort of Disney live action dog movie right Mm -hmm. you know so Mm -hmm. the the lead guy it has to find the protagonist who's like one of the miners who like forms a friendship with Red Dog and of course there's a love interest for that guy that Red Dog helps facilitate and then you've got all the miners who are all like you know a, a panoply of Australian character actors you know <laughs> with the looking unshaven and in mining boots you know right. and, you know, so it's that you know and so it's tone is light and friendly and funny and then of course as dogs do right. <laughs> you know it becomes hugely emotional you know so it's a gorgeous film it made an enormous amount of money at the Australian box office. Like, it ended up making $28 million at the Australian box office, which is huge. Wow. I mean, huge. Like, a big, 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 big Hollywood movie will be making really big bucks here, I think, at around 12 or $14 million. Really? Yeah, so, it, I mean, it was phenomenal success. Wow. Huge, 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 huge. I think its appeal overseas is limited to the, like... Oh wow, my kids have seen all the dog movies. Oh, here's another dog movie, you know, right. because they don't know mm-hmm. the legend of Red Dog, but here Red Dog was. Uh, Everyone thing. knows yeah. it. Everyone knows and, it. And, you know, it, the ads for it were great. It was really marketed well, and, uh, you know, the, uh, the television and the trailers for it were great. You could tell that, like, oh, this is a movie for the whole family, and it was, you know, and it, it did super well. Do you remember what year it came out? Only a few years ago. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's around about the Did it get distributed uh, in the United States? Um. I'm sure to some degree or another, but mm-hmm. it was probably... See if we can check it out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I reckon on the flight to Western Australia when you go it'll in two there. days' time, I reckon it'll be on the flight. <laughs> because <laughs> it, is the, it is the most famous thing that's ever happened to, you know, that part of the world, really, this movie. Like, more people have seen this movie than have ever been so to you where you're going. <laughs> By so far, you know, by so far. So you can't really even fly into Perth without seeing this movie. Probably not. That's yeah. what I'm saying. I'm saying it's yeah. like filling out a customs declaration. Like you have to watch Red Dog yeah. to go to Western Australia. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a statue of Red Dog at the airport. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know how supposedly, like, I haven't been since the whole Lord of the Rings thing has happened. But now, if you fly to New Zealand, you know, like right. on the flight over there, there are hobbits. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, and I think like you'll find that Red Dog. Now that the film has been so successful, yeah. there'll, there'll be more 
of Red Dog than they used to play up. You My know? only regret on this trip not being able to do a, a Hobbit tour. I know. Lord of the Rings Supposedly the Hobbit tour is great. I know, I know. The fans <laughs> have posted pictures with them actually in Hobbiton. It's yeah. like, you should really go. It's fantastic. All right, all right. Next trip, we're going to New Zealand. I know. Zealand. I'm not going to be able trip. to surf much. I'm, I'm so <laughs> work trip. I'm so impressed. I mean, obviously, I'm impressed that you guys got funded and that the movie's getting made and that you're halfway through or whatever. But I'm really impressed that, like, from ages ago, when you were just casually talking on your podcast about, like, uh, you know, I think we should go to Australia and Japan, that you're going to Australia and Japan. I know. And that, oh, there's this minor guy in some part of Australia. We should go see him. And you are. Yes. <laughs> That is easily, like, the most difficult part of your trip by far. Like, anyone can go to Sydney or Tokyo, but to go to Western Australia to Newman, population 4,245, is just, you know, you gave yourself a weirdly impossible task. I don't know well, if we were, we're too dumb to know better. Yeah, that's, that's I know. If or we're geniuses, you wouldn't have done it. No way. Like, that's going to be too hard and too expensive. Our no. our excitable stupidity is what is carrying this movie and this company and this company. <laughs> the fact that Company Filmers is still somehow turning some slight profit, Brilliant. despite the fact that we're going to have twelve hundred dollars in check bag fees yeah. on top of this already budgeted yeah, for tools. On top of this, on top of this trip that we already probably almost couldn't the, the afford. One day I'm really not looking forward to is we're going to. This is in one day. The yeah. flight is Newman, Perth, Singapore. No, no, to, Kuala Lumpur. Yeah, Kuala Lumpur. Because we're flying on Malaysian Airlines because they're having some deals right now because uh, they yeah, lost yeah, a plane. So, so it's a great time to fly Malaysia. <laughs> it's really perfect. I, uh, I know. I flew to Singapore like six months and after a bombing. Yeah, let's hope that there's a lot of room. Yeah, I've had that happen. If if there's no one in business or first, and it's a weight issue, they'll move you up. So let's, yeah. all right, let's see what happens. But uh, but that's all one day. It's Perth, Newman, uh, Malaysia, yeah. Sing- Kuala Lumpur, Kuala Lumpur and yeah. then Tokyo. Right. Yeah, yeah, that'll be a big. That'll, that's that's a like a million miles. Yes, it's like circling the moon, Chris. That is absolutely correct. I can't even. I when we were when when I got on the plane, and you were texting me, and you were you were like very panicked, and I totally understand why. I just I don't know. I had this insane sense of calm because I'm like, what we're doing is so fucking nuts. That I'm just like, yeah. It'll work out. It is, it's going to work out. Yeah. The fact that it already has worked out. I mean, we when we funded, we thought Australia and Japan's not going to happen. Yeah. That's a pipe dream. And the fact that it has, and we're here, and we're going to be a little over budget. Yeah, uh, yeah, so. yeah we're going to talk to you guys about that next week. Yeah, or on every episode <laughs> yeah. for the next three months. We're going to need your help. Yeah. But the fact that I, I just had this crazy calm. I was just like, nah, it'll work. We're all going to get the visas. We're all going to get through. When the customs guy said, I was like, I, I just know we're going to, I'm going to, I'm not going to bullshit. I'm, we're we're going to make it. We're going to get through, or we're all going to die by Red Dog's ghost. Like, yeah. either way. <laughs> just, just don't take any drugs to Kuala Lumpur. They'll, no. They'll, if they'll, any they'll hang you for that in Malaysia. No, we're not. If anyone has a balloon in their rectum of heroin, uh, I'm going to. It'll be the DP. Yeah. <laughs> then, yeah, then, then no, you're staying there. I'm going to do a cavity <laughs> search of the entire crew before we go. So, all right. So, Red Dog. Um, see Red Dog. It's lovely. You know, like you know, you'll you'll. I know you like the baseball movie, Million yeah, Dollar Arm. Yeah. You know, so 
you'll like Red Dog because it's like it's like, like a million dollar dog. Yeah, it's like a <laughs> Disney movie, but better because it's like a, an Australian independent version of right. that story. I'm a sucker for those kind of films, so I'm I'm already well, now, on board. Have you seen the new movie? Uh, was it the Rover with Guy Pearce? Caught light. Well, we saw the trait. We, we played the, the trailer, trailer at the uh, summer. That movie, hasn't yeah. come out yet. Oh, by the way, summer movie preview episode available at comedyfilmnerds.com. Dollar ninety nine. Come on, book it. Yeah, the Rover looks. Yeah, play for Western Australia. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we only need fifty thousand of you to buy. <laughs> Pay for the set. check bag yeah. fees, and, when, and we're going to have to bribe officials in Kuala Lumpur for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. You can bribe them. Yeah. That's, that's where it's, it's not only it's not frowned upon; it's encouraged. Now we're going to get to Japan. Yeah. Um, so, but so, yeah, the rover we're looking forward. to. That yeah. looks amazing. Yeah, Justin Khan, David Michaud's new film. We last did Animal Kingdom, mm-hmm. which I loved. Yeah. and he wrote it with Joel Edgerton. Looks yeah. like Walking Dead without the zombies. It's it's what has been the buzz because we talked about it with Will Anderson when we did the summer movie preview. But what has been the buzz here in Australia about that film? The buzz is great. The buzz is great. Like I'm invited to an AFI screening. That's the Australian Film Institute. It's the equivalent of the uh, Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts and Sciences. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to a screening of that in, I think, a week and a half. Um, you have a lot of the same initials that mean different things in Australia. Right. ABC. Yeah. Australia Broadcasting yeah. Company. AFI. Yeah. AFI. Yeah. yeah. Well, they're all no-brainers, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the the Rover's gotten really good buzz because... You know, this is what happens, is some filmmakers get anointed con filmmakers, and it's just because their films, their debut films, really hit a certain sort of critical buzz. And Animal Kingdom was one of those films. Mm-hmm. You know, it was... Everyone liked it on a critical level. Mm-hmm. And so now you've got Khan saying David Michaud is one of those directors. And right. so you're looking at The Rover... And they've accepted into Khan, and now his films, unless he turns around and makes something crazily, stupidly commercial, Million Dollar Arm, you know, he will get to continue to be one of those directors, and from now on he'll get invited to Khan. And um, so the feeling is great. We've generated another one of those. Because we've had them in the past, Peter Weir, Bruce Beresford, but, you know, not all of our directors become those directors. Well, it feels like, too, that he... Can you put George Miller in there? Um, I don't know if he became a con director after Mad Max. He might have. Um, he certainly shifted away from that because he started making commercial movies, such right. as The Witches of Eastwick and Happy Feet. Yeah. <laughs> so if he was a con movie director, he would no longer be. How really, they didn't put that on the Happy Feet? Uh, Happy Feet didn't poster? make it to con? <laughs> or did they put the Happy Feet poster from the director of Mad Max? <laughs> I would have absolutely done that if I was the guy marketing Happy Feet. Um, he might make it back there with Fury Road. Well, I, I get the feeling too, like um, Michaud, Michaud or Michaud? I, I believe it's Michaud. Michaud. Um, don't quote me on that. Oh, I'm the king of mispronouncing names, so it's, I, I pride myself on it. Um, but I get the feeling too, like, I, I don't know that he did anything between Animal Kingdom and, and the Rover. No, he's taken his time, I understand. We might just have to move. You doing notes in here? Look, we're just, we're just doing a little bit of a warm-up. You're welcome to... Um, all right, so we had to take a quick we had to take a quick break because um, this theater company came into the lobby and we moved spaces. So if you hear Australian actor voices in the background, <laughs> a bunch of actors came in to the to the lobby where we were recording, and literally, I knew we had to get out of there because they were about to do a group warm up. So it really would have totally. <laughs> you, you would think doing back rubs would take you know be a little quieter. Yeah. But still. <laughs> um, 
So uh, yeah, that's that's totally the stereotype of what actors do in a group warm up. Yeah. Rather than actually warm up their you know no. diaphragms and vocal cords, they're all giving each other a massage. Yeah. <laughs> that's all theater is. Um, so uh, well, let's also quick talk talk about uh, our sponsor for this episode, Squarespace. Yeah, Squarespace. Happy to have them on board. They are helping out with earbuds, yes. the podcasting documentary. And uh, also, it's really easy. A lot of people have been emailing and tweeting like, hey, thanks for the coupon code CFN Mm -hmm. to get 10% off, and it's a free trial. It's a great way just to make your own website. In fact, we're converting... um, we're, we've already converted Earbuds is a Squarespace site. EarbudsPodMovie.com uh, is a Squarespace site. We're going to be converting LA Podfest. We're going to convert LA Podfest. Um, GrandMelwood.com is a Squarespace yeah, yeah. site. It's just easier. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it's easier. And coupon code CFN, man. And we were just in New York last week interviewing Ryan at the Squarespace offices, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, they're doing cool things. And they, they're really supportive of podcasting. The thing I love about them, too, is they're not like corporate assholes no no they're they're the kind of corporation they're growing fast but they they want to be in a space to actually help even creatively and artistically Mm -hmm. which is really cool that's why they sponsor podcasts that's why uh they do what they do you know to help you get a good website i felt like at their offices in manhattan that it was like i felt like i was at a creative office right i didn't feel like i was at a tech company's office Mm -hmm. you know what i mean i felt like i was in a graphic design office Mm, there was still a ping pong table there was still a ping pong table (laughs) which is where good ideas come from yeah yeah now if it was google it would have been foosball (laughs) that's that's the difference um so yeah it was really cool guys so go to squarespace.com use coupon code cfn 10 percent off 10 percent off um so uh i want to talk about a movie i watched on the plane ride over mm-hmm. uh grudge match nice um is this a stallone this, right? yes uh-huh. when i was in la and saw the billboards it was so obvious that stallone's body was his body but de niro's oh, body yeah. was someone else's body and they <laughs> stuck his head up <laughs> Yeah, you see a lot of that. Like, well, he's rich enough that he could do that in real life. Too. Yeah. yeah, everywhere yeah. he goes, <laughs> it really that is a very noticeable thing in this film. Um, I mean, do they give him a CGI body a little bit, or like a little bit, and then they shoot it? You can tell they're just like, wow, they're just shooting that like chest up, right? You know, because um, Stallone is still built. He's he's ripped. He's he's obviously works out. He's in his sixties, and he's been working out and taking protein supplements. Since he's been four. Yeah. <laughs> And it shows. Well, beyond protein supplements, he was busted here for bringing steroids into oh, yeah. into Sydney. Like, literally busted here. Like, he had to go, I think. I don't do- deny yeah. it at all. Yeah. Like, he, his body looks like there's some, there's some genetic help. Yeah. There's some, yeah. there's some there's bio, some bio, bio, biomechanics. Bio, yeah. bio, uh, bio aid? Yeah, bio aid. There's a biological <laughs> synthetic uh, aid. Anyway, this movie has some just ridiculous, dumb moments to it. Front. It's not for you. <laughs> Hello. Um, and uh, so there's some moments in it that I found to be, you know, whatever. It's it's cheesy and dumb. But there's some all right moments that are kind of awesome. I, I don't know. Like, it, it's in that sort of... Does it feel like Rocky nostalgic at all? They do, do definitely do some Rocky nostalgic. They do a little of, of Raging Bull nostalgia in there. Um, but only a little? Because I thought that would be the whole fun point would be that um, you've got someone who was in... Two people who were in iconic boxing movies, and I thought the references would be endless, no? No, it's not as many as you think, um, which is a mistake. I think they... It was one of those movies that couldn't quite figure out what it wanted to be. It was trying to be, like, cute... um, Really, and a movie like that had an uneven tone. So <laughs> yeah, 
It's yeah, weird. I didn't know what to do with it. You think it would have been perfect. Yeah. Well, I guess the moment you go referential, the moment you wink at the audience and say, you know that I played Rocky as an actor, even though I'm playing a character now, and you know that he played, you know, Jake LaMotta, even though he's playing a character now, then you're instantly lessening the integrity of your own story, mm-hmm. obviously. So I guess the more you do that, the less integrity you can have. Yeah, and they, they really, you know, they were trying to be a comedy with a heart of gold. Like they were trying right. to do that and they it it made it was successful a couple of times, but for the most part it was like there was a lot of disjointed stuff that that didn't make sense. But, you know, 2 hours to to kill time on a 15-hour flight? Yeah. It was fine. It you know what I mean? Its it served its purpose, you know. <laughs> a lot of age jokes. A lot of age Add jokes. To it. Add to it. A lot of that stuff. Um, you know, Alan Arkin is 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 fine in it. Another alarm. So, are we at a Kmart? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we are at the theater and people are coming in and out. Yeah, our, that's the other thing. Our hotel rooms aren't ready yet because we yeah, got here. Otherwise, so- we would have recorded there in a sterile environment. But <laughs> we, uh, So now this episode, we've been in two different locations mm-hmm. at this beautiful theater. So, um, it's not a mistake. You will be hearing occasional odd noises and voices into this. Just be happy that we're in Australia and not doing this episode from a holding tank at the Sydney airport. Yeah. Customs. <laughs> That would be great, though. If you just yeah. put out these and started to do an episode, and you were like talking to the customs guys, being yeah, like, yeah, what are your favorite film? Could you sign this release? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, what has podcasting done for you? Yeah. Um, so I watched Grudge Match, and then I watched the Elvis Presley classic, Jailhouse Rock, which I don't know why that was on this movie's, but on this film, or this uh, flight? Was it, it was United a very, It was United. It was a very yeah. random um, selection of films. It Jailhouse had, Rock's a good one. It's great. It's, it's great. It had yeah. Rushmore, which I almost watched Rushmore. Um, it had the Royal Tenenbaums. I don't know why it had uh, several Wes Anderson classics. And it had Jailhouse Rock, and it had... Jailhouse uh, Rock is like his best performance. Like, it's early mm-hmm. on in his acting film career, and... He actually has kind of a bit of stuff to do, and there are times when he gets a bit James Dean, young Marlon Brando-ish. You know, he's got that smoldering sexuality, whereas later on, you know, when they just gave him absolute crap, like Harry right. Scarum and, you know, <laughs> <laughs> about Speedway, he couldn't do any acting. But in, in Jalas Rock has my favourite Elvis Presley line, I believe it's that one, um, where he goes, she calls him an animal. Is this right? She, he's with the girl, yeah, and she yeah. calls him an animal, and he goes... I'm not an animal, baby. It's just that you bring out the beast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good moment of movie. There's great moments in this film. Obviously, the pacing. And great musical. Great musical, musical stuff. It's Elvis. Yeah. So, obviously, the pacing is very slow. So, if you're going to go watch this film, if you've never seen it, it's, you know, late 40s, early 50s. So, you got to... Be, watch it on a 15-hour flight. Watch it on a 15-hour flight. Black and white. Black and white. Mm-hmm. But you're right. It was before... He became this, you know, Disney corporate entity or whatever that before when, when it's it's kind of like, you know, like what happened to Burt Reynolds a little bit. Like when you watch Deliverance. Yeah. And then you start watching Stroker Ace and yeah, all that and nonsense. It's so different. It's so horrible. And yeah. and this is like, you're right. It's young Elvis. He is there. He's got some heavy scenes, man. Yeah. He goes to jail for manslaughter. Yeah. It's not like, oh, a bum rap. No, he beats a guy to death in a bar because he's got rage issues. Yeah. I mean, there's some violence, like, holy shit. And then, and then the depiction of prison, I mean, back then, but this wasn't a, this wasn't a popcorn movie, no. like, 
prison. Hey, you know, like it's 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 intense. There's intense shit in there. He gets he gets gets out he of gets jail. Raped? I know. I think, yeah. <laughs> I don't remember that. He gets sold to the Aryans. (laughs) No, but I mean, like, but when he gets out of prison, you know, a a record executive, like, screws him over, and he's always, like, angry and pissed off. Yeah. And it's great. They were trying him out as as a legitimate movie actor, and it's a legitimate movie about prison, albeit a musical. But later on, they just just tried to get as much out of him as possible. Mm -hmm. And so he was doing, like, three stupid or four stupid movies a year later on. And he hated it. And and was was touring. Like, it was just like... You know, you see that in reverse sometimes. Like, it's odd that it went this way. Like, what a time... Like, they want to try to wring the money out of the Golden Goose as quickly as possible. Yeah. So you give them a bunch of shitty movies, and then the actor finally goes, no, I want to actually do... An actual movie, and they have like Matthew so, McConaughey, right? Right. So you would have like Jailhouse Rock would, uh, with that trajectory, would be later on in the career as opposed to. Well, earlier. it's interesting. It, it 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 also you know the point that you're making is 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 shows what this what it was within the studio system. Like he was now he's Elvis Presley, so he's larger than life and everything. But again, Colonel Tom Parker. Got signed these contracts with him, and this is what you're going to do back then. This is what you're going to do. The record label says this, the studio says that, and you're going to do it. And and they couldn't even break out. Like Matthew McConaughey's lucky that he's in this era where he could just say, "No, I'm going to make my own film." Like it was so much harder to do back then. Mm-hmm. And then also, you know, all the stuff I've read about Elvis. I mean. Colonel Tom, he wasn't maybe the brightest dude ever, and and I think he was. Tom Parker exploited that, and then he's yeah. all hopped up on Percocets, and you know what I mean, knocking up fourteen year olds and whatever else. So it really, it, it's it's a bummer. He's one of those guys where you think, I mean, he did a lot of big amazing things, but what could he have done as an actor? Yeah, totally. But they pushed him the wrong way. I mean, the, the good early ones to check out are that one, Jailhouse Rock, and Kid Creole. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. And um, The earlier ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, any, any of the ones that are black and white, basically. But that's kind of about it, because pretty soon they get into Harem Scarum and all that stuff, and they're really terrible movies. After Viva Las Vegas, you know, there's, it's, they, then it became a formula of, okay, let's put Elvis in right. Hawaii. Let's put Elvis in the Old West. Let's yeah. put Elvis in... <laughs> a Haunted House. A haunted yeah. House. <laughs> yeah. Literally. Well, literally, because because well, Viva, in case of the Viva Las Vegas, yeah. Viva Las Vegas is a great example because that was a commercial, and it was a, it's it's still a fun Elvis, you know, sing along race car movie or whatever. And then, but they, it's the only one you could do. It would be yeah. like if George Clooney just did. Ocean's 11, 12, 13, 14, yeah. 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. And, and that so, was it. And that was it. That's all he did. And it's funny if you watch the 68 comeback special, the TV special that Elvis did, which was kind of an, an amazing thing because it's after all of those movies. And it's it's this TV special where he gets his, all these old guys back together from Memphis. And he's like, we're just going to jam and it's going to be on TV. And he's just sitting in that stage in the round. He's in an all-leather outfit. And he even talks about that. It's a great moment in the 68 comeback special. He's playing and they're all just jamming. And he goes, wait, wait, hold on a second. And his, he starts twitching his upper lip. And he goes, oh, oh, it's back, everybody. And they all start laughing. He goes, oh, man, I did 37 pictures like this. And makes fun of all the movies we just talked about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, to me, if you, you watch those early movies and then watch the 68 comeback special. And those are, like, the most real 
moments because then after 68 he started putting on the weight and the jumpsuits right, sure. and there's one more amazing moment which is the one where in a later comeback special uh, like in about 73 maybe it's only one number where he comes out they bring him out and he's stumbling he's hugely fat yeah. in a white suit and his face is you've never seen such a yeah. fat face because it's not just fat weight from eating fatty foods it's all the drugs yeah and he's got quite long black hair and he's got this really fat face and they bring him out a white suit and he's stumbling two guys are guiding him out because he's stumbling because he, like, at that point he's he's over the top in terms of his drug usage and they put him down at the piano and he plays and sings Unchained Melody and some guy's holding a microphone in front of him because he's stumbling like this but he plays and sings Unchained Melody and it's brilliant beyond belief and then they get him and lead him out the whole place goes nuts and that's where they say over the loudspeaker ladies and gentlemen Elvis has left the building what do they say about an alcoholic the last thing to go is your job Right. Yeah. You know, a yeah, lot yeah, of times yeah. it's like he yeah. could barely walk, but it could still perform. Yeah. It's it's amazing, too. If you watch, there's another documentary that was done called Elvis. God, I think it's My Way or My Life. I forget. And it came out in the late, mid to late 70s. Elvis, that's the way it is? That's the way it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you watch that documentary through today's eyes, knowing the drug problems yeah. and all that stuff, you see you see the glimpses of it. Now that movie was a marketing that's part of the Elvis marketing arm put that movie together. Yeah. But you watch him jamming with his guys and you see all these and 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 these guys are all laughing around him. He gets mad and goes, "Oh, shut up you jackals." Now they cut it together till it's like, "Oh, it's Elvis and the gang funning it up." Yeah. But you know later it's and you watch it and I remember watching that. That's the way it is going. I saw this maybe 5 6 years ago going. It just bummed me out cuz I saw all these hangers on and these enablers and you know that was part of it i'm not excusing what he did in his addiction but when you're making that kind of money well they were jackals yeah they, they were. Really were they really and they're just like pump them full of drugs like as, hyenas. as, as, I, as I, long as the money machine keeps going i am excusing what he did with his addiction because i think what you're saying is correct i think it's almost like he got himself into a place where there was no hope for him to get himself out of it. I mean, the same thing happened with Michael Jackson. Remember they released just after his death that movie that was rehearsals for the tour yes. he was about to... Uh-huh. Not tour, for the series of 50 shows he was about to do at that huge uh, venue in London. Mm-hmm. And because he couldn't do it, so they, to recoup their losses, they released this movie of him rehearsing. And what you're watching is, you're watching the last days of a dead man. You yeah. know, and three and months later. And you're watching a bunch of money people try to recoup their investment, yeah. is what you're watching. And yeah. it, it happened again. They just released another Michael Jackson CD. Yes. Just came out. I mean, God, that really pisses me off. And I they're just like, that's a little different for me with Michael with the give, giving kids uh, wine, which he admitted in court. Yeah, that's yeah. problematic. There, but that wasn't <laughs> the, that, and that wasn't the worst yeah. thing. <laughs> Let's just say that. By the end of his life, that same thing with Elvis, when you've got doctors. Legitimate doctors well, it's a prescription. medical licenses prescribing you stuff that's going to kill you. You know. Oh, I remember this too. After Michael Jackson died, like what he was, uh, that drug he was on that the doctor was prescribing. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to have like uh, some minor ear surgery, and the anesthesiologist came in, and I could tell he had to make this speech to every single patient. Look, this used properly this is the right drug it's the same thing that michael jackson i don't remember what the Mm -hmm. name it was but he had to make the speech to every um patient you're not going to die because as a doctor i'm prescribing it properly we're not in your own home me giving it to you willy-nilly this is how this drug is supposed Mm -hmm. to be used no one's ever died from the proper usage of this drug because he must have gotten that question all the time well if michael jackson died from it clearly i'm at risk here in the hospital in a controlled environment well the other (laughs) side of that too is like with elvis it was like well, I'm not an addict. This isn't bad for me because a doctor prescribed it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, 
and no one and and at Elvis at that level, there are doctors. You pay them enough money, they'll prescribe anything. No one is telling Elvis no. Yeah. No one is going to say no. And yeah. and there was there was guys within his camp. Um, I remember watching a documentary about this. Who who left and publicly came out and said Elvis has a drug problem, and we can't be we can't do this anymore. Like Red, one of those guys that that was in um, Baba Black Sheep TV show, um, was one of the early Memphis. They call them the Memphis Mafia or whatever. Yeah. And and then Elvis was like, oh, I can't believe these guys betrayed me and everything. And they were like, hey man, you need help. But the machine, the money machine around Elvis, you know, Elvis Inc. said yeah, right. nope. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so so check out Jailhouse so, Rock. So like what what you did, Graham. I was on the uh, flight and watched two vastly different films as well, <laughs> uh, because you have such a selection. You're like, no, I'm not gonna. It's not like I'm gonna load up on two dramas right, or whatever. Right. I need you know, I need two separate movies. So I saw Nebraska, which I hadn't seen, and oh, I, really? I absolutely loved it. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a great movie. I loved all the subtext in it. It was one of those movies where if you just watch it for like on the surface, like, well, nothing happens. There's nothing really going on. It's one of those movies that goes so much deeper where like, well, what's really happening? What what is this what does this represent in this story? And that's what I really liked about it. It was uh it didn't get it didn't um leave you off the hook. Like you yeah. really had to watch it and really get into it to really get anything out of it, which I liked. I loved all the um family dynamics. I loved uh you know he was an alcoholic, and he, mm-hmm. even to his to the end of the film, he's barely admitted that he had a drinking problem. Right. You know, it was like it was pulling teeth. It was like, yeah, I drink a little bit. You drink more than a little bit. All right, I drink a little bit more. You know, I drink a lot. So, but he never even said I'm an alcoholic, and that's typical. If you don't admit you have a problem, you know. Yeah. Uh, but what I loved about the movie is that it showed the characters as nuanced. Like some people have this perspective of uh, of the lead character. What's his name? Uh, Bruce Dern. Uh, well, no, the, the character's name, played by Bruce Dern. I forget. I can't remember. Anyway, I just saw the movie. Uh, but it's a 15-hour flight. It's hard to retain. Yeah, we're on the other yeah, side of the world. Yeah, it's not the world. named Han Solo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> Those movie characters yeah. do not have memorable uh, names. So, but what I loved about it was... Uh, <laughs> very true. Luke Skywalker, you remember. Yes. Uh, um, is that, that you see the different perspectives of um, how people perceive the same character. Like you see, oh, well, he's an alcoholic drunk who was miserable to his family. And then you see other people that see him as, no, he was very generous. He would always give you the shirt off his back. Mm. And, and you're like, and, well, which, and the film never says it's one or the other. The film pretty much tells you it's both because that's how people are. Yeah, that's why yeah. I, 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 I so agree with that because it was like, it's too easy and it happens a lot. And we talk about it on the show that sort of lazy writing when they just paint a person as this. Mm. No one is that. Right. No one is just one. Few few people are just one thing. Right. And um, let me ask you this, Chris. Now that you've you've seen Nebraska, whatever three four months past the Oscars, yeah. Do you feel that that the subtleties and the nuances of it is what kind of kept it from winning more awards, or do you just think it was that strong of a season? I think it was a really strong season. Like, I really think as great as that movie was, I don't, I don't think it got snubbed on anything. I really don't. You just I, think I, Dallas Buyers Club and Twelve Years a Slave were? Just, it was just a strong. Yeah, year. yeah. It was a strong year. I mean, Bruce Stern is an amazing performance. All of them gave really good performances. And the thing I like too is like it had a real um, opportunity to go over the top with the humor, and it yeah. never did. It always pulled it back right where it almost got silly because in the hands of 
you know, a, um, a less competent director, that's very easy to do with a dramedy. Because you're like, oh, let's make the comedy, oh, it's really big and silly, and then you make the drama really too hard, and it really kept that even tone all the way through, so I really liked it. So Seth MacFarlane, who's opening in Once Upon a Time in the <laughs> West, or whatever it's called, yeah. The West Will Kill You, or... A, a Million Ways to a Die million in the ways West. A Million Ways to Die yeah. in the West, he, um, he would have directed a little more... <laughs> yeah, most likely, yeah. There would have been, uh, and there would have been more um, black people jokes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, the other movie I saw after I saw it, I'm like, okay, I went. To, I saw the original Anchorman. I wanted to watch, not the sequel. I went back and saw the first one because I'd never really seen it all the way through. I saw it in clips. Really? And, yeah, I never right. saw it all the way through because um, I always saw it in pieces, and then you know there was something came up. I had to, I could never see it literally mm-hmm. all the way through, or it was on. Cable or, or whatever there is. So I watched it. This is the first time I was able to get to watch the movie literally all the way through. And I have to say, it's a great movie. And the really thing I, I loved about it is that uh, um, it's not only a great comedy, but it's structured in the way of, uh, of a good movie. Even if you took the comedy out, you've got like a really nice mm-hmm. love story. You've got a progression of characters. You actually have an arc of characters. And it didn't take any easy ways out. Of a comedy. Now, I, people haven't said the same thing about the sequel, but uh, um, it yeah. was one of those movies that, uh, like I said, I'd never seen the whole thing all the way through, and I was glad I finally got to watch it all the way through, and I really liked it. I thought it was a really good, well-made uh, comedy. Modern classic. I think it's yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for sure. You know, it's up there with Zoolander and a couple of the others that, you know, if there's like about 50 movies of those that seem the same, a few of them are actually much better than yeah, the that, And Zoolander and Anchorman, you know, yeah, rise yeah. well above the mm-hmm. crop. I'll agree with that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's cool to see. You can see before Seth, McF- uh, or Seth Rogen got really famous. Yeah. Uh, you, he's, he's literally a cameraman with a few lines in the movie. I have, mm-hmm. I, I have something, I have an exception to take with you. Uh, with both of you. You guys, or maybe Uh-oh. it's just one of you. Um, I think it was you, Chris, on uh-huh. an episode or two ago. Um, you said that Rose Byrne doesn't rise to the occasion in Neighbours, and I think she's the funniest thing in Neighbours <laughs> by far. Really? I think she's funnier than Seth Rogen. Really? I think she's funnier than Zac Efron in that movie. Absolutely. Well, I'll give I you. I think she's the best in. Uh, she steals every scene. She I does. will give you funnier than Zac Efron. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I really think. Uh, um, with Seth Rogen, I thought she did a good job, but I don't think uh, playing against um, him, she did as well. But I didn't. I, I don't think she failed by any stretch yeah. of the imagination. It was a subtle difference. Yeah, I think she's. A, I think she's an amazing comedian. I think she's okay. now the. I think she's now the go-to girl. You know, I, I think Kristen really? Wiig is you know outpriced now right. because of right now, mm-hmm. so she's expensive. So mm-hmm. I think now, if they want someone, they're going to go to her. Like, all right, let's because see if because that I mean, it's kind of self-evident that she got that role. Do you know what I mean? Do you think it's because Rose Byrne is... Kristen Wiig is coming from a comedy background. She's come from SNL and all that. Yes. Where Bur- Rose Byrne is coming from a straight acting background. Yeah. Who's now been... Like, she was... I think she was written and directed well in, in Bridesmaids. In all fairness, I think this might be a subtle um, difference that only comedians can see. <laughs> because we're so immersed in um, seeing a comedic actor rise all the way through, as opposed to somebody drama who's just kind of picking it up. Mm-hmm. Like, I really think this might be something that maybe we're just a little extra sensitive to. Because, like I said, I don't think she did a horrible job. I think that she just didn't have the uh, the comedy gravitas as the uh, as Seth Rogen did. Mm-hmm. So, 
I disagree with you. All right, that's that's perfectly fine. Uh, but I, I will. I think we agreed on uh, a down under disagree. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like we got. Well, guys. I, I think we agree on Zach. But. Hashtag down under disagree. <laughs> a huge calling card was a movie she made like about a year and a half ago. That was a small English uh, rom com where she just she absolutely got to be a full on Diane Keaton performance. You know, a physical comedy. Really? Like, well, yeah. what's the name of it? Uh, it was called. Uh, I'll have to remember it. It had the uh, second person. I don't know. Look it up. It's it's, we, it's, it's it, it had a wedding theme. Oh. You won't last forever, or this won't. I, I give it a year. Uh, yeah, it yeah. Okay. I give it a year, and that was her real huge comedy quality. Because going back to like like bridesmaids, I mean, she played the straight man in that, and I thought she did but a fantastic job. Really but no, funny. fantastic, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Because she was approaching it from a drama background, and that's and she 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 played the comedy scenes. There's some great com- at at the when they're giving this when her and Kristen Wiig are, are dueling, giving dueling speeches. Yeah. She did some comedic moments in yeah. there that that I was like, oh wow, like mm-hmm. that yeah. to me said she isn't just a good actress, which there's nothing wrong with that. Right. But but uh, that I think she can, I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm le- I haven't seen Neighbors. Yeah, yeah. But I'm leaning toward what CJ is saying in the sense that I think we might be seeing more of her in this comedic well, lead. Uh, I, I'm more than happy to watch it develop because like I said, it's not like she stunk the place up. Right, 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 I, right. Like I said, it was a subtle difference. Paul Rudd did um, the same thing. He was absolute, normal, strange, right. dramatic actor. Right. And then he suddenly took a left turn and only did comedy. Right. Um, Meryl Streep famously like turned 40 and said, I'm only going to do comedies yeah. from now on in and just started doing comedies and started singing. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean? um, a lot of people have done it. Paul Rudd's not the only one. Someone else recently has taken like a Major turn into comedy and, and left all the stuff behind. Um, it'll come to me once again. I think it's kind of an action hero guy who started. Oh, um, yeah, Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, cool guys. Well, I think that's uh, that's pretty much our show. Absolutely. So it's uh, you know a wait and see on Ms. Rose Byrne. <laughs> wait and see on Ms. Rose Byrne. Let's <laughs> yeah. see the next movie. I've, I've I've seen one film that's opening. I guess in the states uh, that you've seen too. I think Filth is opening. Oh yeah, we completely agreed I on that movie. It. Yeah, it was a terrible film, and uh, it was funny. Like uh, when we talked about it on the podcast, then. Uh, CJ sent a review, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to curious to see what he thought of it. We hit the exact same <laughs> points, had the exact same reaction. This was like, this was a terrible movie. It was a waste of uh, a waste of talent, and also a movie that had literally no idea what it wanted to be. Yeah, you literally talk about tone a lot. Yeah, and this film had the worst yeah. tone. It's like every actor was directed differently. They're like, okay, you're in a movie where everyone's right? over the top, <laughs> but you're in a drug movie. Yeah. That's exactly a, what it was. Yeah, ah, and then they've all got scenes together. Yeah, Shocking. yeah. <laughs> See, I would say CG and I agree 90% of the time. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, another one who made the shift into comedy? Leslie Nielsen. Oh, yeah, he was... Total straight well, leading sci-fi yeah, yeah, guy. And then totally, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Naked gun. And one, But one of his calling cards with comedy is that he would play it so straight. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. uh, but his timing was, you know, yeah. phenomenal. James Franco is kind of, too, is kind of... Yeah, let's I mean, not get crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I thought he was the funniest. I thought he was the funniest no. in that very funny movie. Uh, oh yeah, Which James, James Franco. Oh yeah, yeah, he's he was, funny he in really that. Good he's, very... he's a good actor. It's the thing about James Franco though is you got to get the right role for him. Yeah. Like like if you miscast him like Oz the Great and Powerful, it's, it, it's it's like oh my god, he's mm-hmm. completely wrong. For my this fear role. with him is well aside from him sexting teenagers yeah. is um, my fear with him is I have that, a bigger fear I have a daughter yeah, yeah. yeah. 
is is he might fall into Johnny Depp territory of suddenly thinking he's this brilliant comedian and doing all these comedic parts and you're like, ugh, enough. Like, that's my fear with him is he's going to think that he's that. Right. right. But I don't know. Well, we'll see what happens with uh, with him. But yeah, I've been enjoying his work lately. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, that, that This is the End was such a great movie. Well, I thought Dave Franco, his little brother, literally his little brother, yeah, yeah. Um, as he makes the sign for a little man, um, I thought he was really funny in Neighbours. I thought he was better than Zac Efron. Uh, yeah, I thought they both were flat. <laughs> I that's where we'll part ways on neighbors. <laughs> Fair I think they liked it a lot more than you. Yeah. Yeah, CJ loved it. CJ loved it. I enjoyed it. I loved it. Um, all right, guys. Well, that's our show. Uh, so fun. Our first ever podcast. From Sydney, Australia. From Sydney, Australia. This is our first ever international podcast. We've never done one in another country. No, that's true. We've never been to Canada or the Caribbean or something like that. Not we, yet. Not yet. First ever international show wow. recorded on a Zoom in two different locations. <laughs> yes. Hopefully you'll be able to find the file. Yeah, this might be just for us. Yeah. <laughs> and this is dropping on Tuesday? Let's hope. Can yeah. I, can I <laughs> plug my play? Absolutely. Yes, yes, so, yes. Mm-hmm. Come on down and see my play, The Young Tycoons, if you live in Sydney. It's uh, playing until June 15th at the Darlinghurst Theatre Company at the Eternity Theatre, which is on the corner of Burton Street and... Palmer Street in East Sydney, one block down from Taylor Square. It's really funny, really funny. Go to darlinghursttheatre.com. The boys are going to be seeing it. Um, yeah, and by now, when you're listening to it, we've already seen it, and we loved it. We loved it. <laughs> and support live theatre, yes. you guys. Like, it's a very cool thing. Like, uh, Sydney, the five hours of it that I've seen, I'm, I'm digging it. So yeah. come out and support And the CD. rain stopped just in time for us oh, to get B-roll. So great. <laughs> That's true. Um, and also, uh, CJ um, has reviews on the site. So go to Comedy Some Fil- great reviews. Some too. great reviews. Diff- completely different point of view. Um, also, where can people find you online and listen to your podcast? And uh, Twitter at CJ Movieland or at CJ Sydney. And um, look for the Movie Land Facebook page. That's my radio show and podcast. Find the podcast Movie Land on iTunes and uh, listen to that. You'll also find uh, a few episodes now with um, with Graham and Chris on it. Yeah, I think this is your third one, right? Yeah, yeah. Third mm-hmm. one. Um, so... Uh, a bit long in the tooth. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, and we're interviewing CJ for the documentary too. So yes, we're gonna we're gonna tomorrow. talk about that. That's gonna be awesome. All right, guys, thank you so much, um, and thank you for following us on this crazy international journey and yes. being patient with us releasing episodes and all yeah, this other yeah. stuff. And like we said, summer movie preview is available. It's not quite in iTunes yet, but it'll be there it probably be. in another week or two. Well, let's, yeah. Okay. Yeah, but right I'd now, say maybe three. Yeah, okay. <laughs> since we still got to go to Japan. Um, so, But you can get it right now at comedyfilmers.com. Go into the store. It's $1.99. It will download. And um, we're paying about $1,000 in check bag fees this trip. So, <laughs> so uh, it, if you could buy it, that would be great. And here, here's the one thing I, I want to say about it is uh, um, there is a surprise ending for the Leonard Malton game in the, uh, yeah. in the show. And uh, Will Anderson and Doug Benson are on the show. And it's, it's a great episode. It's a lot of fun. And we play... Movie trailers we, for the first time. We screened actual trailers for the live audience. But you can hear the audio on them. And we'll tell you know the, and we say what the movie is. So if you wanted to, you could stop. And cue your own trailer up and right. watch it. And as watch it. So I think there's the five movie trailers, and that's mm-hmm. something we're going to start doing in more live shows because yes. everybody there loved it. So we're mm-hmm. going to keep doing it. Um, I will be headlining the Comedy Attic in Bloomington, Indiana, June 12th through 14th. On Saturday, uh, June 14th, at the Comedy Attic.
Static. We will be doing our last session of Earbuds fan interviews. Wow. Um, yeah. And then until the podcast festival. Until the festival, which of course the will be the last week of filming. Yeah. Because we're exhausted and we'll be out of money. Yeah. Well, we're already we're out already of out of money. <laughs> so. Um, um, so yeah, that uh, LA Podfest, of course, is September 26th to the 28th. Uh, tickets are at LAPodfest.com. Thank you guys so much for all of your support uh, with this. And Earbuds is going to be an amazing film. Thank you so much again to CJ Johnson, our guest, and finding us this theater to shoot the interviews in. Um, my name is Graham Elwood. And I'm Chris Mancini. And as always, remember Han, Han shot, shot first. Down under. <laughs> On shot a dingo first. Red dog. Ah!